Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cast Ice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time on and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, 2020 was, uh, how should I say, uh, an experience for all of us. And for some of us, 2021 hasn't been much better. (laughs) But um, the gaming world does move on. And uh, I did want to sort of take a second to reflect on the last couple years or the last year or so, because there have been some really great things that have been happening out in the world of gaming. Uh, And, you know, we may not talk about all the newest, hottest stuff today, but I do have an old friend on who does sort of have his fingers in uh, quite a few gaming pies, so to speak. And I think we are just going to kick back, reminisce and talk about some things that we liked, some things that we're excited about, both um, that we've been playing recently or that we're excited about playing in the year to come. And basically, uh, you know, just have a little holiday special cast dice style. And if we're going to do that, we need a very special guest. And of course, only the best for the holidays. The man, the myth, the legend, Dave Taylor. Welcome back to Cast Dice. Mmm, pie. That's not great. <laughs> Maybe you feel all hungry now. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Oh, man. Now, Dave, you have been very, very busy, um, as always, with a million things uh, because you are sort of a one-stop shop for small gaming companies in helping them to bring their products either to production in the form of helping them uh, get things done and get them published and get them out into stores uh, and or uh, the advertising campaign. You are sort of a jack of all trades professionally who helps uh, indie gaming or indie gaming uh, manufacturers get actually on the road, so to speak, because you've you've been doing this for quite a while. Um, have you been working with anyone recently? Because I know I've talked to a few people you've helped with Kickstarters this year. Any exciting stuff that you've been working on that you want to talk about slash share slash anything that you might be teasing that we might be seeing that you might have your finger in soon sure sure um yeah i think um this is it's kind of weird like as you said the last two years have been been weird so my timeline's a little bit screwy and i can't remember exactly what i worked on and when Mm -hmm. and that kind of fun stuff um but uh i will say uh, i've been sort of doing uh some ongoing stuff with uh joey mcguire from Mm -hmm. uh publishing so um i know uh i think he has just released it uh he has recently released it sometime in the last six months i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it was more like uh, a month or two ago uh but a um broken vaults supplement for uh this is not a test yeah so you could take your uh gaming underground um, so that was a lot of fun to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, we, did a, we did a couple of photo sessions for that and we got to mess around with lighting and, uh, that sort of thing to, to try and recreate that. 
Now, now Joey's part of the Blaster crew, so um, his stuff has been appearing in Blaster magazine, or the not I, I don't want to say magazine, the Blaster game anthologies when they come out. Um, but this, the underground part of this is not a test. Uh, this is not a test, of course, post-apocalyptic skirmish gaming. Um, is this like a dungeon crawler almost, or uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because that sounds cool. Sure. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of it as a dungeon crawler. It's it's more a sort of a change of environment. Uh, so rather than um, wandering around on the surface, uh, looking for things, trying to get your uh, reasonably fresh water, trying to find your um, ammo, your uh, archaeotech, that kind of thing. This is taking it underground and um, working in the confines of a more sort of labyrinthine um, location. Uh, so the, the game itself still plays the same, but you're just uh, limited uh, in a number of ways, sort of as, you, um, as you're going through trying to find things. The deployments are a little bit different, um, that kind of thing, depending on how you set up your vaults. Um, and but yeah, it's speaking of cool. vaults, where would people find that? Would that be a game vault or? Uh, I'm not exactly sure if it's on game vault or um, uh, drive through RPG. It yeah. might be on drive. RPG. But um, the best place is always to go to uh, worldsendpublishing.com. Um, so all of Joey's stuff should be up there and you can pick it up as a PDF. Uh, if you did want to get a printed version, there's probably some text on um, was in publishing letting you know if it's up on drive through rpg brilliant brilliant what else have you been up to um so uh one of the main things i've been doing i think last time we spoke uh was back in way back in may yes a uh a kickstarter running at the time for mm-hmm. uh of so it was uh three books uh featuring the art of five different uh miniature painters mm-hmm. um so a lot of this good chunk of this year has been putting those books together and i think uh, at the moment winging its way from lithuania from vilnius lithuania to baltimore maryland there are some uh printed versions of the books for me to look at and to sign on basically so really super excited about that um assuming everything's going to be fine because um standard impressa who are the printers they do a fantastic job um if i can sign off that ne- on that next week then first week of the new year they'll be able to start um moving those to the kickstarter fulfillment hubs mm-hmm. they can start to get those out to all the wonderful backers so super excited about that um that's been a lot of fun coordinating um five people uh Previously, when I worked on Terrain Essentials, it was working with Mel and coordinating his efforts. Uh, so, yeah, just bumping that up to five has been pretty crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, five times the interactive. Uh, yeah, as someone who used to organize regular podcasts with a set crew of people, uh, let me tell you, I, I understand how hard it is to keep track of two or three people regularly, but five ooh, gives yeah. me the <laughs> gives me the shakes just thinking about it. It is um it is pretty crazy, uh but it's it's worked out well. Um, everybody in this uh, the first group has been very excited uh, to be sort of a part of the project and uh, yeah actually now they're starting to get me uh, one of the things that we did 
during the the Kickstarter was we uh, some of the stretch goals were free tutorial PDFs. Mm-hmm. Everybody who backed, regardless of level, will get these uh, free PDFs, and those uh, tutorials are starting to roll in. So I'll spend the next week or so sort of putting those together, and uh, we'll hopefully be able to send those out sort of mid to late January to all the backers. And again, I got to take my hat off to you. Trying to run a Kickstarter successfully in the age of shipping delays is, <laughs> I can't even imagine. How are, how has that process been? Because having spoken recently to our old friend uh, over at Battlefront, John Matthews, about logistics and shipping in 2021, uh, it's it's not easy at times. And I know that you really take your commitment to people who back your Kickstarters incredibly seriously just because i know you personally i know how seriously and how personally you take that how has that process been because uh every time i hear about shipping delays yours is literally one of the names i think of right (laughs) well i think yeah when we spoke last time uh we talked about the the nightmare Mm -hmm. that uh that we had happen um for terrain essentials uh so pretty much everything this time around i've tried to work within the new constraints i guess um one one advantage that i have uh one other advantage i guess of um printing in um lithuania rather than printing in china uh is that because the the bulk of wargaming books are printed in china these days Mm -hmm. uh is that shipping from lithuania to uh to the uk where one of my fulfillment hubs is, uh, is not a problem. Yeah. And also shipping from Lithuania to, um, sort of via Europe to, um, Antwerp and then across the Atlantic, uh, doesn't have anywhere near the same problems that shipping from China to the West coast of the U S has. Uh, so, uh, I, I kind of lucked out there. Um, for a bit so the global shipping problems are variable they're not it's not the same problems everywhere so um i'm, I'm gonna ride that advantage for all i can <laughs> um yeah but yeah so hopefully um and and working with as i, mean, I might have mentioned last time working with warlord games it was great working with them but it was working outside of their regular system mm-hmm. um which meant that they, there are other problems that I didn't um, sort of expect. Uh, but this time from the UK, I'll be working with uh, ShipQuest, whose basically sole purpose is fulfilling Kickstarters for people, uh, for creators. Right. So, um, and they, they're going to be much more professional than I am. Uh, and um, I already know that because they've asked me questions and it's like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, I'll have to get that sorted for you. <laughs> it is nice to work um, with people who are specialists in a particular area, though, because though you know a lot of stuff and you've worked in this area before, this isn't your first rodeo by any stretch. Still, if that's what they yep. do professionally and they do it all the time, they've seen things that you haven't even run into. And that's saying something given that this is definitely something that you've done many times before yeah yeah it's uh it's 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 gonna be good i'm gonna learn some stuff uh as well which is which is always a good thing to do exactly uh, if you have the opportunity to to learn and grow i i think i might have said last time i'd never like to make the same mistake twice Mm -hmm. 
to find interesting and exciting ways to make completely new mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm going to be going to be doing that. Um, and I guess just just quickly, I'll also before we jump into all the other stuff that's been mm-hmm. going on in the wider world of, of gaming, um, I'm currently working on a book with uh, Jeff Hall. Yes, from Games Workshop days. Mm-hmm. So um, Jeff's a huge. Um, fan of role playing he's a um loves dming mm-hmm. and he loves um make, he has a huge collection of uh like three-dimensional dungeon pieces oh, brilliant. From both, like um, dwarven forge mm-hmm. and uh, he's also even though he has like totes and totes and totes full of um dwarven forge stuff he also has a whole bunch of the new whiz kids warlock tiles yeah um so we're doing a book he and I are working together on one uh, called. This is a, the wonderful, grandiose title. We have to do a super D and title, but it's uh, Messrs. Hall and Taylor presents the tremendous tome of decorating dungeons. <laughs> love it, love it. So yeah, so it's going to be kind of like a, a 101 class on uh, how to personalize your uh, your dungeon, how to make it yours, your own gaming groups kind of thing. That's brilliant, man. I mean, Jeff is such a, a passionate hobbyist that we used to see from his times from Games Workshop. Just, and I guess he's been working in gaming ever since. So that will be a tremendous product. I cannot wait to see what's coming out of that. Are we allowed to ask uh, any more info, or is it still in the early stages? Um, no, we're uh, we've we've planned we've planned it all out. We're working through now. We're doing some of the basics, um, but imagine that it's going to talk about um, tools and techniques. Actually, it starts off really by saying, "Okay, here are all the here are a whole bunch of different dungeon styles that are available." So we show a bunch of the stuff from Dwarven Forge, a bunch of the stuff from Warlock, um, some three D printed stuff. We'll show some of the um, stuff from the Game Master set that the Army Painter have mm-hmm. put out, uh, and then we'll talk about. Um, Things that you find in a dungeon. So we'll talk about those. Uh, floors, walls, doors, traps. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gelatinous cubes, things like that. Uh, and then um, we'll talk about tools and techniques. And so we'll explain... Uh, when I say it's like a 101, it is really going to the basics. Uh, it's kind of targeted at people who haven't done that kind of thing before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll talk about priming, we'll talk about dry brushing, we'll talk about washes, uh, highlighting, and then we'll go into uh, providing sort of basic color schemes for um, for like a standard dungeon, a really slimy, dank dungeon, uh, sandstone kind of dungeon that you might find in, in the deserts. Uh, so that kind of, kind of thing, we'll go through through all of that we'll have a look at caverns we'll have a look at um special effects and details uh they find in dungeons um and then towards the end we'll have also have a look at uh so as people have painted up their their dungeons now they might have their um minis from steam forge games or from um whiz kids again that that are unpainted and they might want to paint those up so we'll talk about painting up your heroes and we'll talk about painting up um your minions and your arch villains, your your big bosses, as well. And then we'll have a whole bunch of uh, Jeff's tremendous terrain uh, as sort of inspirational pieces. That's cool, man. I mean, 
one of the I know this is a show about tabletop gaming, but I came out of as a kid, I basically learned to read reading role playing games and, and games in general, just the rule books and exploring the world's dungeon magazine, dragon magazine, were the only things I subscribed to for many, many years. Uh, and just uh, I, I wish that someone had done that book when I was starting out as a hobbyist because God, there were just I had these wonderful worlds in my mind and I always wanted to build them and put them on the tabletop, which eventually, you know, I was able to do. But God, if someone had given me a guide like that, that would have been awesome. But even as an experienced hobbyist, I was recently looking TT Combat, I believe, has a uh, as a, a dungeon set that is uh, modular that you can push around. And it's just the footprint with a little bit of you know some doorways and some rough terrain pieces that you put in um but it's all ancient egyptian themed and i was looking at that going oh that would be cool for like a pulp setting or um i just recently picked up a uh i was gifted a copy of cursed city um without any models Uh, a friend bought multiple sets to make Vampire Counts Armies, I guess, or whatever they're calling that in Age of Sigmar these days. Um, And so I ended up with a set of the rules and all the tiles and all the dice and all of that. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could play that but Egyptian-themed. But even then, I was looking at it going, I know how to paint a lot of things, but I have no experience making like a dungeon crawler-type terrain. So, hey, that'd be good. Now you'll be able to uh, be... Sort of look at this and feel confident that uh, everything you're doing is uh, going in the right direction. That's right, man. That's right. Hey, speaking of Curse City, did you hear that the... I know that when Curse City came out, it's the new Warhammer Quest. And by new, I mean it was last year that it was out and everyone was super excited about it. But, um, or I guess earlier this year, I'm, I'm already thinking of 2021 as last year because my school year's ended. Well, we get it, get it behind us, don't we? So. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Slam the door on that and start again. Hope that 2022 is better. Um, insert joke here about 2022 as in T-O-O. Um, and people are going, no, let's not do that again. But um yeah, Curse City coming back. I know a lot of people were really upset that they couldn't get a copy the first time around, and it led to some price spiking. Then when yep. people were able to get copies and Games Workshop said, we're absolutely never doing this again. We're not going to do any expansions. People got super salty that, oh, my God, you know, I wanted more expansions for this game. It's a great game. I want more. Um, and in other games that they've done, they've done expansions. And now, of course, Games Workshop said, well, cool, we listened to you. We're putting out expansions and we're going to republish the core game so you can get it and play it. And now people are mad again. Besides people, you know, gamers getting mad at companies. And I can understand, you know, Games Workshop has changed its position a few times here. I think it's pretty cool that we're actually going to get a a new game. It's, I mean, I guess a republishing of the game, but new expansions for it as well because it looks cool. I haven't had a chance to play it. But having read through the books and looked at the cards and looked at the uh, the tiles and you know really dug into it, I enjoyed the original Warhammer Quest. And so right. to see this, this looks really cool. And I, I'm also, again, that got me looking at uh, Blackstone Fortress again. So I'm looking at a bunch of Warhammer Questy games. Have you played any of the new ones? Are you excited about this? Um, I have not played any of the new uh, Warhammer Quest style games. Um, our, the gaming group I'm in, we don't really 
um, play sort of that that style of miniatures yeah. board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we play uh, we play a lot of miniatures gaming, and there are other people in the group who play who do a lot of board gaming. But mm-hmm. there's very rarely, I mean, people will cross over, but there's very rarely crossover of the, the style of gaming, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I will say that yeah, back in it was April. I looked it up. It was April um, that uh, it was uh, for Curse City. Um, yeah, when I heard that they were uh, reprinting it, I was like, "Oh, that's that's interesting." I, I wonder why they didn't say like back then, "Hey, we're going to reprint it," but given the state of the world, it might take us a little time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it seemed like that would have been the the correct approach. But uh, but I did get a copy of it and uh, Soulblight Grave Lords is the name you were looking for for the uh, Vampire Counts mm-hmm. in sigma uh and i mentioned that because i'm currently working on an army for uh the age of sigma team tournament at adepticon next year oh brilliant so um myself and uh some buddies are putting together we're each painting up a thousand points and our theme is um radicar returns to orphan khan oh cool um yeah so we've got characters from the so radicar the wolf is mm-hmm. in city uh for the soul black grave lords they also did a like a larger fiercer version of him called radicar the beast um this is like after he was thrown out of orphan khan um as part of the the game in uh curse city so yeah we're taking that we're taking the the Vircos dynasty which is their bloodline and uh basing everything around that that's cool. And uh, one of uh, one of my friends is a um, he's a budding sculptor. He does like beautiful work, and he, he can do fantastic um, fantastic faces. But he hasn't done a lot of uh, hard edge sculpting. Mm-hmm. He's doing it originally. So I um, said, well, we're going to need a lot of bases for this, and we'd love them to match the the tiles from the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, he went ahead and sculpted up. Uh, basically a, a big sheet of uh, cobblestones and then punch them out digitally to create the different uh, base sizes. And he's printed those out and we're going to cast those up and stick all like, our dudes on there. <laughs> that is so cool. I mean, I mean, going back to the to the olden days, the golden days of hobbying, I guess, um, before 3D printing was everywhere. And there's nothing wrong with 3D printing. Please don't hear me being the grognard <laughs> saying in the good old days. Um, but one of the cool things about, you know, when I got to live with you for a bit and we'll just watch you crank through hobby, you were very good at pulling pieces from kits that I wouldn't naturally think go together. And, you know, you were sort of the master of kit bashing and then um, adding some bits and pieces on there to make it all fit together um, as far as maybe some minor sculpting, as far as making everything sort of gel and cohese into a, a into one project. It, how exciting is it for you to now be able to talk to someone who can provide you with that sort of on a on a next level scale? So when you do these group projects, you don't just have to do it for yourself you can do it collectively and have something that's original looking right because that was one thing that i sort of got from my time with you is really wanting something that looks different that is distinctive that people look at and go wow that i mean 
it's got to be pretty exciting to be able to it, do that more regularly now, or does that just make it more challenging? Um, no, it's definitely it's definitely exciting. Um, working out the right way to to go about it is uh, the right time to use it, I guess. Yeah, is key uh, as well. I for for this one, I I volunteered to do the basic, and originally I was going to like I was going to cut all the cobblestones from plasticard and create a sheet and then cast it up and then put it on top of plastic bases. And I thought that's going to take me a long time. Yeah. It is not going to take Rich very long to uh, to sculpt these mm-hmm. and to print it out, and then for us to cast them. It'll take it's going to take much less time, but I'm going to. It means that I can like pay him for his time um, because it frees up my time, mm-hmm. so I can focus then on um, doing things like the Blood Knights uh, that I'm using for the army instead of using the new gw blood knight models which is super cool i'm using uh because the army is very much uh wolf themed mm-hmm. using uh the thunder wolf cavalry wolves from the space wolves awesome list. and then sticking the um the vehicles bloodborne uh sort of minor vampires mm-hmm. i think there are th- four of them in the um in the cursed city set i cut them off their pillars that they were hanging on to and have stuck them on the back of those uh, Thunderwolf wolves, and they they fit perfectly. And it it looks like these super live vampires just clinging onto the fur of, of these wolves. So yeah, it, it freed up my time to be able to do that. So I think it's a it's it's one of those things where I want to make sure that when I do it, that I have a good enough sort of have a good enough reason to do it, and that I can feel comfortable. Uh, with what I want to pay somebody to do that for me, do that sculpting, because yeah. it takes time, and I don't want to <laughs> take up take up their time. And uh, but yeah, it's it's been uh, been good. And also, Rich is just starting to dabble in the um, sort of the commercial side of his sculpting. Um, so working with him and saying, well, how about this much? And so he gets to work out whether whether the money sounds good or sounds bad. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's worth his time, right? So it's to sort of help him do that, and then he can go, okay, yeah, I've got to that at that point, but I then went and spent another twenty hours on it, and I say, well, that's on you, mate. That's yeah, on exactly. You. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 fun to be able to do that, and uh, it's cool to work on a like a collaborative project with everybody and uh, and prepare for an event like Adepticon. Absolutely, yeah, yeah and but, it's got to feel good that. Adepticon is happening again. Now, in Australia, things have technically reopened, and we are looking forward to CanCon happening uh, in about a month. Uh, But it is not the same as the U.S., and there's a lot of discussion of whether or not events at CanCon are going to move off-site, whether CanCon will be, quote-unquote, COVID-safe, what the restrictions will be. And, And it's just created a big sort of a little bit of a, a situation where people aren't sure whether or not they want to go. They think it's as safe as they want it to be. So I, we may be another year out before the big conventions really sort of kick back here, but it is nice to see things sort of restarting. I know in the UK um, I've been listening to some podcasts where people have been playing in regular events and just the idea of a regular event is madness to me at the moment. 
<laughs> but that's just because, you know, I live in one of the most locked down cities in the world last year. But, you know, it it is it is nice that gaming's coming back, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think um, that un- undoubtedly, uh, well, depending on depending on where you are in the world, um, there's a lot of there would be a lot of places where uh, local gaming, possibly local gaming stores never went away. But certainly local gaming like exactly. in people's basements or back rooms or whatever, that never went away. There's small groups, pods of people um, in there and doing uh, doing some gaming. So my, my gaming group that I meet with every every other Wednesday, we um, when did we start back? I think we started back August of last year. Oh wow. Um and is that is that right? Maybe we didn't. No, no, I'm I'm going mad. It was um, June of this year. Okay. See? I yeah, there you go. Wobbly wobbly. Everything's and, um, sticking together, right? I mean, no one knows. Uh, after, that. We'd, <laughs> yeah, after we'd all been vaccinated and uh, and that kind of thing, so yeah, we went back in June of this year, uh, and we restarted our um, Saga Age of Magic gaming. Brilliant. Which was uh, kind of funny because when we started it back at the beginning of. 2020 january 2020 um i had, had painted maybe like a third of my army third of my force mm-hmm. um so when we got back to it in june of this year it was like okay it's all done i've got <laughs> yeah it's like all done plus so it's now a, as well as being a like um how many points eight points of saga it could probably be 16 or 32 points of saga <laughs> or a uh, thousand points of age of sigma but uh yeah it's uh it, it has been good to see that that sort of thing slowly getting back to um to a good spot um in the u.s i think that there's been a lot more in-store gaming um and yeah. it's great to see i think i i follow probably like a dozen different stores on facebook and to see their photos of um, folks in there wearing masks mm-hmm. being, um, for their gaming has been really good. Uh, and uh, Games Workshop ran a couple of um, uh, official events here in the U.S. as well. So yeah. that's been uh, interesting to interesting to take a look at. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually got to sit down and play a game... Uh, bolt action last night and i'm very excited about that i got to play uh with lee uh, lee avery is one of our local guys and uh, he's been on the show many times he's an old friend um his wife and my wife um do their own hobby together and so uh we end up seeing them quite a lot and so it was really exciting um they were i think back when you could you know restrictions were lessened and you were able to see one other group of people they were the group of people and so you know we got to see them quite a lot but you know, because there was a lot of things going on with the school year restarting and everything else, um, we played a couple games of Marvel Crisis Protocol, but then we, I don't, we just didn't get much gaming in. But to actually sit down last night and to play on a full four by six table and play a proper twelve hundred and fifty point game of Bolt Action, man, it felt so good yeah. just to sit down and have that time to run through. And my God, we were rusty. Uh, you know, and flipping through, you know, bolt action is my favorite game. Like I love it. And, you know, I play lots of games as the podcast would indicate, but I love to play bolt action. And it just reminded me how much 
I adore the game. It also reminded me how much I hate looking up rules in that book. But anyway, um, <laughs> it it was, you know, bolt action happened. Um, it, I was getting bullied by Lee's Sherman the whole time uh, because my Panther refused to come on the board. Finally, my Panther came on, one-shotted the Sherman spectacularly, <laughs> and then almost the next dice, his medium AT gun, you know, had a lucky shot on the front armor panel of my uh panther and blew it up and i was like that wasn't supposed to happen but it is nice that his sherman is now gone so you know bolt action happens kids but yeah it was it was a blast and it's good because years ago i mean we put out the because there was the uh, mission pack for bolt action alliance and we had the 2016 pack Uh, and then in 2020 we revamped it um during the first big set of lockdowns I had had play test notes from people because those missions have been used at events around the world. People have been giving me feedback about those and we ran them into the dirt in Melbourne as well. Uh, and they got used in other big events like CanCon and I know quite a few events in the UK and all that was used to streamline uh, and tighten up those missions. And in 2020, we put it out and went, yep, here it is. And then the idea was either later that year or early this year we were going to put out the next mission pack with because i had six other missions written um or at least the notes for them written i hadn't properly you know written them up perfect word wise um but the the general ideas were all down and i'd started to play test some of them and then 2021 happened and it all ended up in a notebook and then when the school year ended this year, I pulled them back out. And last night we actually did some proper play testing and it was just going, yes, this like all of a sudden sort of life is coming back. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to getting some more of that done. And yes, kids, that means that hopefully we will have a new mission pack for you. If you are a bolt action player in the next two to three weeks, uh, but it will be the beta rules. It will be they will be roughly play tested. They will be fair. They will be fun. But it will be absolutely open to to um, you know criticism, feedback, whatever you want to call it. If you love it, please let me know. Um, I'll put out a whole episode about it, so you'll know then. But yes, 2021 mission pack, uh, and in fact, it'd probably be 2022 now that I think about it. Um, will be a thing, and it will be coming soon. Uh, and yes, there might even be some silly bonus missions as well, because a common question is with the last pack, you know, these are all, these have all been set up in a way that it's fair for both players. They've, it's all been set up in a way that you can play it both narratively or in tournament play, but it's, it's very straightforward. It's, it's always very, um, just make sure that everyone has a good time and it's fair and there's not a lot of randomness in there. But, uh, you know, bolt action is, by definition, sort of a, a random game. Uh, so yeah. there there are some requests for some maybe less serious missions. And, uh, yes, kids, I have listened, and there will be a couple of those as well. But that will be bonus in addition to the six straight-down-the-barrel missions that you expect from a bolt action alliance player pack. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Look at, I'm very excited about that, and it's one of those things that uh, I'm looking forward to doing with my school holidays 
is actually just sitting down and taking the notes and properly writing them up and making sure that every word is perfect because my God, do people love to tell you when it's not, uh, especially <laughs> well, in a mission pack, right? That's, that's the best way to get things edited, right? It is, you, right? You, you put that as a beta and, and let everybody tell you. Yeah, I can't wait for that. <sighs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, you said something a second ago that really got me thinking both about what I just said, but going into 2021, I had really focused on getting a few things done. Uh, I had... One of the games that I'd really looked forward to playing during right before lockdown hit in 2020 was Necromunda and Bot War, the 1980s giant robot game from our buddy in Australia uh, from Trader's Galaxy. And so I'd painted up a faction for both of those, getting ready to play, was very excited, and then lockdowns happened. And then when we came out, I ended up playing a lot of Marvel Crisis Protocol and some Bolt Action and some other games. Uh, and I never quite got back to them. Well, after this lockdown, I've painted more Bot War models, and uh, I do have more, I've dug out more Necromunda models, but I also pulled out a bunch of old Rogue Trader models to play Stargrave, um, which I've played some solo games of now, both the ones that I talked about in the episode, and I actually played one other one. So I'm, I'm really excited to play a bunch of games that I maybe haven't been totally focused on, but, but, it, it, but also like been, Gamma Wolves, yeah. I've been wanting to play that forever. Um, and I have right. the models for it painted. There's just a lot of good games, but now I have a lot of painted models that I really need to just get on a tabletop. Are you having the same experience? I know that you've been back longer than we have into the quote unquote gaming world. Um, I, yeah, I have a lot of models that I've painted that, that have certainly never seen the gaming table mm. uh, or have, have only vaguely been introduced to it. Uh, but I, I think I've always said that I, I'm okay with that. So um, it's not too, I don't, uh, I don't really stress about that kind of thing. I must admit. Uh, but there are, there are some things where I've been thinking about the games quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and not haven't had the chance to play them. So um, Silver Bayonet is one of those. I'm glad you brought that up because I just got my copy in the mail not too long ago. That nice. is another Joseph McCullough game, and it looks great, right? It, it does look uh, it does look quite cool. I think um, I haven't got the rule book yet, but I've uh, I've had a flick through. Uh, but I really love the um, I love the Napoleonic era. Mm-hmm. I love the the concepts in the game of um, not so much the mechanics, but the, the setting of the game, I guess. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, monster hunters and the, the priests and, and all that kind of thing. And I can just picture the you can picture so many settings across Europe mm-hmm. where that would be perfect. So, which um, are you, are you going to build up something for it? I am. Uh, I have some, uh, a friend of mine, Mark was doing an order with no- North star and he, uh, I paid him and he got me some, some British. And so I'm, I'm excited to just do a, a straightforward British crew to sort of start with. But um, while I was waiting for those to arrive, but once I had the book in my hand, um, because I have a pile of, uh, painted Chinese models, um, sort of Boxer Rebellion and post-Boxer Rebellion 
that I use as part of my sort of as sort of the militia side of my Chinese bolt action uh, nationalist army. Uh, and I yeah. have some, you know, like a, a, a hopping vampire and a few other supernatural creatures um, from the Far East that fit, uh, including like food dogs and stuff like that. I was thinking cool. because there are rules to create your own monster in that game. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think it would be too difficult to port that over to that setting um, to match the models that I already own. Uh, but that said, I think uh, there's going to be enough people interested in this game that we're going to be able to get enough people to play the European version um, without me having to paint up two or three factions myself just so I can get people to play, right? Uh, it helps yeah. if you have friends who want to play these games. Oh, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> How about you? Uh, any any part of that game in particular is grabbing you? Um, I Over the last, uh, probably the last 10 years, I've had a uh, sort of a passing interest in the, the whole retreat from Moscow. Mm -hmm. I'm set up for, uh, well, it, actually the whole charge off into Russia and then retreat from <laughs> retreat from Moscow yeah. thing that William did. Um, there's a fantastic, I love, um, I love infographics and any really good infographics. And there's a fantastic one that was, um, created, uh, I think in the 1830s. Uh, but it was basically the timeline and the size of uh, Napoleon's army as he worked his way into, um, Russia and then sort of fought his way back the, like that rear guard action, um, to the crossing of the Berezina river and where it goes from starting off with like 160, 200,000 men to having just like 10,000 men sort of claw their way back across Oof. that frozen river. Um, but, uh, so that, that sort of thing's always interests me. So I think the idea of having, um, <coughs> sorry, not COVID, um, <laughs> having uh like french um uh dragoons like dismounted and all sort of rugged up um and fighting alongside uh regular infantrymen in their their great coats with big scarfs and yeah. collars and all that sort of thing and gloves and so on that sort of feel where every everybody's a little bit frostbitten mm -hmm. and you throw like a werewolf into that and it's like, oh, this would be perfect. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that'd be great. Yeah, cool. and you it would give you plenty of opportunities to make your characters look individual, right? And, you know, yeah. I could see you doing some great customization on that as you go. Yep. There um the the Perrys do some great uh sort of Berezina River um French. Mm-hmm. And uh there's a company called Murowski Miniatures or Murowski Miniatures. Um, M U R A W S K I, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but they do some uh, some great sort of retreating French as well. So I'm gonna pick and pick and choose from those. Get a get a bunch of those, and then uh, yeah, get some of the maybe some of the warlord plastics and uh, go to town with some green stuff. Awesome, man! So definitely be a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, I definitely need to get some silver bayonet. Uh, on the go uh, another game which and i can't believe it, the name's escaping me it wasn't on my notes to talk about for today but something that i'm really looking forward to um that I, i've not actually had a chance to really flip through 
Uh, mainly because it's a it's in beta set at the moment, and I am definitely going to be covering on the show when it gets to be a, a full rule set. And I'm I kind of don't want to get confused <laughs> when I'm doing my research for the actual episode. But sure. um, I've always had more than a passing fascination with uh, the Vietnam War, and okay. uh, Rubicon has been showing for for years. They've been showing. Um, preview shots of the plastics that they are going to be doing for a Vietnam range uh, from Huey helicopters to um, to infantry to vehicles on both sides. And uh, I'm very excited about uh, painting up some Huey helicopters. Let me just say that like having the Rubicon eye for detail and the variability of their model kits and to be able to do that with a Huey. Hell yeah. Give me one right now, please. I'll, I'll take three. Um, both for my G.I. Joe army and just in general. Like, I really just want those. Uh, and I've been working on Jungle Terrain recently. Uh, and a, a good chunk of that is not only because we're talking about running a big bolt-action event, a two-dayer uh, in, over Easter weekend, but also because Rubicon has put out a beta set of rules to play with these miniatures, which okay. I'm sure would help their sales. And some yep. friends have looked at it and said it, it's got some some really nice ideas in the mechanics of it. They haven't played it yet, but they say it, it looks good. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, I've been um, I've been buying a lot of trees from China uh, and shrubberies, uh, all of the the jungle foliage, so to speak, uh, and a ton of tufts. And I, I got, uh, I went to our old buddies over at Battle Kiwi, uh, and I got a bunch of their kidney, um, like forest footprints that you would put on a tabletop that you'd put your trees on. Um, and they have cutouts, 40 millimeter cutout circles as part of that. Uh, and I've been taking those cutouts and then adding all the foil foliage to them. So you have, you know, if you put it down on the table, it looks kind of like a jungle, right? That's the whole idea. Yeah. But then... It isn't, and I want to have that density so it looks like a jungle. But I also want, if you pull those off, you can actually then deploy units or vehicles or artillery pieces or whatever else um, on it as well. And just having that variability with the terrain. And I figure with, you know, with uh, jungle terrain, you can use it as the jungles of Lustria, you can use it as Vietnam, you can use it as Pacific in World War II. Um, there's just a lot of versatility there. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm getting some really cool huts from Knights of Dice uh, for Christmas. Um, at least I hope I am. I asked for them. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to add a village to the middle of that table. And when I said I'm doing some jungle bases, I, I may be I <clears throat> may be doing it on a ridiculous scale. Uh, I'm doing 50 uh, 40 millimeter rounds that plug into 10 separate uh kidneys so i was, yeah, I was yeah. hoping you would say that i was hoping you were going to say that you were doing 50 kidney shaped pieces god man even that like i just doing the 10 kidneys uh is and then laying it out on the <laughs> table that's a hell of a lot of a four by six table uh yeah. i was like yeah maybe i went overboard on this but then i also did it again with actually even more kidneys uh 12 and uh, 15 kidneys, I have to double check, for a winter board that I'm also putting together for this bolt action event, which has a giant church in the middle with a graveyard uh, and a road going up to it. 
and then the rest of it is just a ton of forest um, with gaps in between because forests are dense terrain and so it it really does limit line of sight and then it's kind of like the Ardan. Um, right. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, getting off topic. That Dave, sounds cool. <laughs> anything that you uh, are particularly excited about? I know that you've been working on the Age of Sigmar Undead, um, but anything else yep. that you, either you've been working on or are excited about working on or something that you've been painting towards playing? Uh, anything grabbing you? Um, I just just recently, uh, I haven't, well, I haven't completed it, but I've completed this stage of it, I guess. I uh, just recently finished off um, my, uh, like a remake of a Gaunt's Ghost Army. Yes, I've been looking at that online. It looks amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how, how it's looking. And it was definitely kicked off again by the, uh, the new models, mm-hmm. the character models. Uh, but I've always had this idea that, well, I had this thought that because the, uh, particularly in the earlier novels, um, the Tanner spent a lot of time in tunnels mm-hmm. uh, and bursting out and ambushing people and that kind of thing. So I thought uh, the Gene Stealer cult army list reflects what they do a little yeah. bit better than the Imperial Guard list. So uh, I've been building this army with the view to playing it as a Gene Stealer cult list. So mm-hmm. with the new uh, Gene Stealer cult codex coming out soon, it's like, ah, yeah, I think I am. Um, you know, as soon as that comes out, I'll be ready to to jump into to some games with these guys, um, which should be uh, should be a lot of fun. I think um, I maybe have few a, a few too many characters for, <laughs> for like a um, reasonable forty k army. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter, does it? I no. just uh, I just play against people who who also approach the, their gaming in the same way, and it should be fine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think. Um, that's one thing I'm kind of excited to to do to get those on the table. Um, I built a table's worth of terrain um, to match with. I think um, when we spoke last time, I might have mentioned my uh, Chaos Knights, my 40k Chaos Knights army. You did, and it looks amazing. Um, so a lot of the the models in that are kind of pushing their way through a city. Um, a ruined imperial city so i built the city to go with it so all of the terrain matches the same has the same coloring Mm -hmm. uh, as the basing uh and then i thought and i ended up uh putting uh doing the same basing for my nurgle army so my uh, plague marine army Mm -hmm. and uh i've done the same basing on the gaunt's ghosts so they those three armies can work well on that on that table but, that is uh, so cool. I had one of those moments where I, I thought, okay, yeah, this is plenty of terrain, and I laid it all out on a, a six by four, and it's like, hmm, not quite enough. I know. Well, I'll shrink the, the table down to uh, GW's new like suggested minimum size. Mm-hmm. Oh, just enough for that. So <laughs> if I play all my games at that level, I'll feel good about it. Yeah, um, with putting together terrain because I've been trying to slowly accumulate it over time, and recently I've been building it up fairly uh, aggressively for this Easter event. It's funny yeah. how you can list out a bunch of terrain and you can build it and you can think, yeah, this is good. I got it. Cool. Plenty here. And then when you actually put it on the table, it either goes one of two ways. It's never the right amount. It's either too little yeah. or too much. 
Um, it yeah, it just never, never seems to work, right? You never get that Goldilocks moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, I I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Gaunt's Ghost because uh, I. One of the things that I've enjoyed during lockdown this year, and I, I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, is I have rekindled one of my favorite authors to to read. I love Dan Abnett. I love his stuff. And of course, the original Guns Ghost stuff, his work in the early Horace Heresy novels, um, obviously the Eisenhorn trilogy, uh, the the Ravener trilogy. He's just written so many great books. And then books like, I think it's, is it Wired or Hardwired? Um, his his own private work that he did outside of Games Workshop. And of course, he's done a million comic books. I just love his stuff. But I'd kind of been avoiding it in recent years because I haven't been digging into a lot of Games Workshop fluff, and I knew that if I read it, I'd want to play Imperial Guard. So, (laughs) um, but, you know, in sort of the grim, dark days of 2021, when everything was just a bit much... You know, you, you go back to the the nostalgia a little bit, and um, I've been reading and listening to a lot of his books um, that I missed. One of which, of course, because um, he did put out the the follow up from Rav the Ravener Eisenhorn series, the the Penitent uh, series, and Pariah. But I yeah. I didn't realize that there was a lead up book to that that sort of followed Eisenhorn into that series called Ma- the Magus. Oh. And so yep. I really enjoyed that. And then I've got the next two books in that series lined up. I've read Pariah a long time ago, but now that I've read Magus recently, I definitely need to reread that. But after the Magus, of course, I then went, oh, oh Siege of Terra. I should probably read some of these because I really enjoyed the Horace Heresy novels and this sort of quote-unquote ending yep. the series and so i've been digging through those and i finished saturnine yesterday and yeah awesome stuff man so yep. much good in there um and obviously dan's work has been inspirational to you given how many yep. armies you've done based on his books yeah yeah very uh very much so and uh as i was working on this one i i went back to start reading them it started with so the miniature set was also released along with the uh, uh, Vincular Insurgency, yes. uh, which was like a not a prequel, but it was a, it basically taking taking them all back to an earlier time. Um, so it happened between the events of um, Ghostmaker and First and Only, uh, or First and Only and Ghostmaker. I can't remember, but I uh, so somewhere in there and. I like the idea as well. Uh, I, I think it's something that Dan's always said as well. It's that with, with 40 K, there's so much going on. It's the universe is so huge that the idea of, of Canon is kind of laughable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like whatever story you've been told is no doubt the wrong story. It or is not, the, not the full, not the full story or not the correct story. Yeah. Um, so the the wonderful idea that, that you can tell the same stories from different angles um, has been sort of fantastic and been a bit of a drive for this this particular army. Uh, so it's that whole idea, like going back to that the army that I did for a client that's in uh, Armies, Legions, and Hordes, where it's like the best of. Mm-hmm. So characters that 
that die. I'm not going to say which ones. Don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so characters that are by the time that they get to this stage, they're already dead or they've been dead for four books or five books or something. Um, but the idea that you can just bring them back and put them wherever you like and have them do whatever you want them to do um, is is cool. And you can do that on the tabletop. It's a lot easier to, to do that on the tabletop rather than trying to convince Dan to rewrite stuff. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I haven't tried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you actually have a blood pack tattoo. I do, yeah. Yep. yep. I have a, a blood pack tattoo, which is uh, pretty fun. Um, it's yep. uh, it's always yep. interesting when, when people say, what's that all about? And it's like, ah, you know. <laughs> do you want the long version or the short version of that answer? Do you really want to know? Well, no. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. Then. Yeah, exactly. So there's this guy named Dan Abnett, and there's this universe called Warhammer Forty Thousand. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh man, um, I have also been looking at looking at your models has got me looking at uh, you know, Imperial Guard again because you're a jerk, and um, <laughs> I was looking at the Victoria miniatures, Gaunt's Ghosts. Uh, you know, third-party models, and my God, are they incredible. But then that, of course, got me looking at her Talaran range, which I've always been a love of mine, and my God, those are brilliant and beautiful models. Uh, Yeah. And weirdly, it's local for me for once. You know, I wouldn't have to order models from across the globe. Victoria Miniatures is in Victoria, Australia. Yay! Um, But yeah, how good are those models? They're awesome. I think um, you you hit the the nail on the head there. It's like you can go, you can think, okay, I want to I want to get an army of these, whatever they might happen to be. I think they're the border rangers, mm-hmm. uh, the tenth ones. But as, as soon as you get to that site, you're like, well, actually, yeah, those those Talan stand-ins look pretty good, mm-hmm. and those Mordians, mm-hmm. or I really like these guys that are kind of like the Savlar Chem Dogs. Yes, or the Praetorians, then, or yeah, and you just go, oh. And all of, all of a sudden you're stuck and you're, you've got five Imperial Guard armies on order. <laughs> well, I did so. slip and buy, because that actually got me weirdly talking to someone, talking to some local gamers. And um, it may have been my buddy Casey who told me about, uh, was it Mad Mad Doc? Um, Mad Robot, uh, who, are, okay. who are a completely different company. But they yeah. do a range of Imperial Guard called Grognards 87. And okay. it is the original Rogue Trader Imperial Guard uniform as far as the helmets, the sunglasses, you know, the um the Necromunda, the Necromundan Spiders regiment that, you know, was in Rogue Trader, except it's updated to modern size. So it's rescaled and it's uh modern proportions and it's, you know, they're just resin models that you can buy. And uh, I, I bought a pack of them, uh, and I bought a pack of their officer torsos and arms and weapons. And, man, it, it, took, it took a while to get here. But when it arrived, they look really nice. And because I have uh, some of the original medals, um, I've actually incorporated the two together. Um, yep. And I'm looking to either make a kill team for the new kill team because a lot of my local friends are looking at it or because I said my buddy Lee and I have also been talking about uh, playing possibly some Blackstone Fortress. 
Uh, it might give me an excuse to paint up some guard to use as traitor guard for that game. I definitely don't yeah. think I need to paint an entire Imperial Guard army, uh, but you know, going down that that rabbit hole of you know classic models that I love, oof, some good stuff out there. Yep. I um I was talking to who was I talking to last week? I was talking to James Files. Nothing mm-hmm. Files. I don't know. Uh, James is a um the former GW uh, alum uh, from the Australian business. Mm. Uh, he lives up in Newcastle and uh newcastle new south wales mm-hmm. and he uh has been working on um basically an adaptation of second edition 40k oh hello uh, that is very much uh it's like troops focused mm-hmm. uh, a, a dialing back of the the hero hammer aspect of second edition yeah uh, uh, but i think he said that the it's uh i think they've titled it like uh 40k second edition don't be a dick <laughs> nice so he said yeah i'm gonna send you the d-bad rules and i was like d-bad he goes Dude, don't be a dick oh i've uh, heard of those <laughs> i didn't realize that's what that stood for yep oh that's hilarious yep. so uh yeah i think um if you if you checked out those and then uh went back to the this mad robot miniatures site <laughs> oh man uh yeah that would be dangerous um okay. i've fantastic as well but it could be dangerous yeah exactly (laughs) um i talked to rick Priestley not too long ago um and he man he pulled some some like i couldn't believe that the 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 bombs he was just casually dropping as he was walking around in that in that podcast episode of oh yeah and then this thing happened and i was like wait i'm sorry what the entire plan for warhammer 40,000 between second and third edition was completely scrapped by the sales division and you actually substituted it with rules for a, a a world war ii game that you were playing with jervis at the time what and it, just like yeah casually oh yeah everything i wanted to do for with warhammer was thrown out the window and i basically threw this out and it got it that's what became warhammer third edition and knowing I, that so much of what's happened since then is based on rick's version of a world war ii game and especially since i play bolt action so religiously is just you know it's it's wonderfully karma, you know, that it all comes full circle. But it, it has gotten me wanting well, I, I actually just bought a used copy of third edition, uh, because I lost mine over the sands of time. Uh, but right. I've been wanting to put third edition back on the table because one of the things that I've always loved about Bolt Action, I've said again and again and again, it reminds me of, you know, an era of uh Warhammer forty thousand that I loved to play. And I think Bolt Action and Warhammer thirty, uh, sorry, Warhammer forty thousand third edition are very similar rule sets. Um, if you put order dice and pins into Warhammer forty thousand third edition, I think you'd have a very similar game. And so right. I think that's the version of Warhammer forty thousand <clears throat> I want to play. So I might try and just for giggles, maybe put pins and. Um, order dice in and play a game or two of warhammer 40,000 third edition um, just to see how it all goes together but yeah sounds like fun man yeah i think i i actually i'm pretty sure in like probably 99 i played a game uh, like i played a world war ii game mm-hmm. that was presented me as this game is based on warhammer 40,000 it is and, I, mm-hmm. and I, uh it's it seemed like at the time it might have been 
where um like flames of war was going or where it was going to be based on but uh it turned out like flames of war wasn't based on that of course uh but yeah it's interesting to hear then that it was the precursor to the third edition yeah rather than based on it so because guys were playing that in in um because i'm assuming you played that in the u.s headquarters uh, I played it. I think I played it at, at Jeremy's house. Yeah. Jeremy Vito. So, yeah. But yeah. a bunch of the retail guys, because it was sacrilege to ever, heaven forbid at that point, you play a game that <laughs> wasn't manufactured by Games Workshop. Shh, don't talk about it. But um, yeah. because the sales division never went home when we didn't hit our target, and it, you know I would work until 10 at night. Don't get me started about slave labor. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we would walk out burned out on our way home and we would you know occasionally see the retail guys having these you know tables set up and playing games but then when you and they were like very closed doors it was in conference rooms like we're not talking about this but you would peek and be like those aren't those that that's a world war ii tank like that that's not warhammer what are you doing and they're like uh nothing to see here keep moving um, that's a, a whole fleet of 120 172nd t34s yes and <laughs> yeah i was like that's not even one you know whatever scale warhammer is i was like that's that's small tanks the hell is that but then everyone was like oh that's the precursor to flames of war later but i don't think it was I don't um, know. but those guys would never admit to me what they were playing at least at the time so i have no idea what they were actually playing but i did see a printed out <laughs> copy of like Warhammer was it 2C I think is what it was touted okay. to be or something like that and it was like the quote unquote Warhammer World War 2 game but it makes me wonder if it was Rick's rules anyway right. I don't know anyway been. I think we are digging down a rabbit hole there Dave um <laughs> but before we go any further I do want to say um you if for folks wanting to see your work and watch you paint and talk about cool games that are coming up, let's talk a little bit more about painting happy little minis. Now, I know that you guys uh, took a, a quick break not too long ago, but you are back, right? If people want to find you on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I know. We're, we're always there on YouTube. There, All of the old episodes are up. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, this is I, painting happy little minis. Is just We've just sort of wrapped up the fourth year. Mm -hmm. of it uh i've been on it for an astonishing three years no more than three years i was gonna mm -hmm. say it's been a long time it feels it feels like forever well yeah but, covid uh, makes it feel like for literally forever yeah but uh no it was my buddy um uh rick ankney who uh started it off um it's uh basically part of great game trade media which is part of alliance game distributors mm -hmm. uh, so on the show um, it's kind of like a an entertainment, infotainment kind of show. Mm -hmm. uh, we paint miniatures that Alliance distributes. Uh, we talk about uh, all sorts of things. We talk about how we're painting, what we're painting. Uh, we talk about color schemes. We talk about techniques. Uh, but we talk also talk about um, the latest episode of the uh, sort of geek show du jour. Um, mm -hmm. or, or we'll talk about... Uh, because it's, it's filmed in the U.S., so people love to uh, make fun of Australia and Australian um, animals mm -hmm. and the ferocity of said animals. Yes. Uh, so uh, things like that. Um, 
we we talk about all sorts of things. Um, my co-host Gretchen is from Louisiana, so occasionally we'll talk about uh, crocodiles and gumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but we have a have a great time, uh, and that's usually when do we film that. We film that on Thursday nights, so East Coast U.S. time. We film that at Thursday nights from seven till nine, which currently for Australia, East Coast Australia would be. Uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. School holidays are great. I'm going to have to actually check it out in real time for once and not just watch the playback. Yes, yeah. So that'll be on uh, that'll be on your Friday. But uh, we're not doing not doing one this week, not doing one next week because of the uh, the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back uh, early 2022. Brilliant. Brilliant. But yeah, so sometimes we have guests on. Um, we had... Uh, a couple, I think a couple of times last year we had the, um, uh, his name is escaping me, the gentleman who wrote um, Mythic Americas. Oh, God, um, yes. Um, oh, uh, I he's been on the show. Yes, he runs, really uh, nice guy. Yeah, 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 definitely great. Um, and he runs uh, the Mythicos Studios uh, mm-hmm. stores in uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had um, uh, John Kovaleski uh, and Aaron Dill from... Um, uh, Monster Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a bunch of people on, uh, sort of in random rotation. <laughs> I guess is the thing to, to mention. I mentioned Jeff Hall. He was on the show uh, on last week's show. Um, I was unable to be on there, so he and uh, Gretchen were on. Um, but yeah, we've got a good, uh, a cool community that we're building uh, on Facebook, and uh, yeah, great people who come and sort of hang out in the chat and ask questions and we show off uh, everybody's minis that they've painted over the, over the week. We talk about those things. Um, I like to talk a lot about uh, contrast, mm-hmm. not contrast, but contrast the, the concept. And yeah. um, when people have done a great job contrasting hues or tones or uh, finishes, they're, they're the sort of things I like to sort of pick out on their minis. But um, yeah, it's definitely, it's cool. It's just a fun sort of, couple of hours of hanging out and talking talking toy soldiers yeah man. which has a lot of <laughs> yeah exactly right well I, I, as part of that show i understand that you spend a lot of time painting things that you wouldn't normally paint because they aren't maybe for games that you either play or you know maybe for their things that haven't maybe come out yet is there anything that you've done on that year that you, or sorry you've painted on that show this year that has caught your eye in a way that you've gone, Oh, I really like this. Like maybe I should look into this more. Uh, that is a very good question. I think, um, the answer is probably yes. <laughs> uh, but I need to, um, just quickly scan back through it all. I do it's... realize that this year is also very timey wimey. Um, yes. Oh, and I can't, Oh, here we go. Playlists. I can look at the playlist, but I don't have to play it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's in there somewhere but uh yeah one of the things that we've been uh, painted recently was the uh frameworks models from um whiz kids yes so that's that's kind of been been very interesting because for, for myself as somebody who has been cutting pieces of plastic off sprues for mm-hmm. 20 plus 25 years um the idea of doing it is is very straightforward um but the 
what it's bringing to people who have only worked with single piece minis uh, for like WizKids or Reaper or, or um, kind of thing. Uh, it's very, it's very interesting to see their reactions to it. Yeah. Uh, so there's been a lot of fun working with those, and the the models are spectacular. They're um, they're just very crisply detailed. Um, great poses, uh, a lot of great flexibility in there as well. So it's going to be, it is going to be very interesting to see how that whole line expands, uh, and and the way that people uh, sort of take to it. But um, I think one of the things I mentioned as well was the uh, that I mentioned earlier was the the game master set, um, the army painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I that's been that's been very cool uh, to to mess around with the like thin sheets of xps foam expanded polystyrene foam are not expanded sorry extruded polystyrene foam um are, can be very tough to find very difficult to get um, when i say thin sheets and they're like five millimeters six millimeters thick mm-hmm. uh, normally you might be able to find something that's like an inch thick um, or two inches thick for insulation but working with something that's thinner and lighter and um, easier to work with. It's it's definitely very cool, and there's a lot of flexibility sort of within those kits. And one of my favorite things in there is the the, the formulated sprays that don't eat the foam. What? Didn't you know that? No, yeah. that's amazing. So the, the key thing, really, when it comes down to it, that the, these game master kits are vehicles for the spray. So I've I've used some sprays before that um it basically they've just been black sprays but they're the propellant isn't the same as a regular spray can as a regular rattle can mm-hmm. the, the propellant is what eats away at the foam so is it the, I didn't know that yeah 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 so these these uh, have a different propellant in them so you can spray it on so you can create your dungeon piece or whatever cabin piece whatever you happen to be building i think in some of the um sort of the pro videos uh like uh bo and uh jonas were building 40k terrain out of it um but you can spray them with this with the spray and not worry about it melting oh that's amazing save so much time for that hand undercoating that you'd normally Mm -hmm. do to get that solid coat. I know that you could go along and, and spray it with an airbrush, but that won't give you that solid undercoat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those sprays uh, are absolutely fantastic. So it was a lot of fun working with um, with that stuff. Um, and I'm excited to see more. I think more of the kits have just recently been released, so I'm going to check some of those out. Um, but what else have we done? I'm just looking back through the... Uh, playlist and we had a good chunk of time where we were uh doing hobby hangout so we were working from home mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately leona's just titled them hobby hangout because normally if we're in the studio it'll be like how to paint warriors from mythic americas or that kind of thing um are the aliens minis earlier yeah. this year those gale force nine yeah uh, yeah, from Gale Force 9. Yeah, yeah that... I, I got the core game, and the miniatures look great for that. I mean, it is almost a glorified board game, um, but it looks good. 
I haven't had a chance to paint those up yet. And we were supposed to have the author on this show and it never quite happened. Um, okay. But it is, it looks great. And the rules look like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I it must have been, I haven't checked out the rules, but I know that all the miniatures from there are like, they're super crisp. They're the mm -hmm. best alien minis, the best um, xenomorph minis that I've seen. Um, all the characters are great. Mm -hmm. uh, Hell that it's like Ripley holding Newt. Yeah. Uh, which is just brilliant. Uh, and I think I, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling that, that they had sort of something planned for, because they, they also released the minis separately from the, the board game. They did. Uh, so I, I think that there's a, like a skirmish game on the way, but it I might just so. put it out as a, now I think about it, they might just put it out as a, uh, what do you call it? It's like a, a PDF yeah. kind of freebie, which would, would work, but I think um, it'd be a great, great idea for them to do around those things. I would love to see that because, again, those models are great, and to be able to you know, take it onto a wider tabletop would be fantastic. And I'm sure you could use it for a lot of other game systems as well. But, yeah, some oh, so good. And I think um, the final one that I'm going to mention is uh, we painted some of the minis from... Um, Monster Apocalypse from Prime oh, yeah. Press. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, from the from the miniatures game, um, I know they've just recently wrapped up a uh, a Kickstarter with Mythic Games. Mm -hmm. Right, like it, it's kind of strange because the the miniatures game is very board game like. Mm -hmm. On a board game, which is slightly different to the miniatures game, but anyway, um, I think everything can cross over sort of in both directions but uh yeah i painted up um one of the defenders um who was a a lady who was basically like the sort of the hundred foot woman kind of thing mm -hmm. um and again beautiful detail uh awesome um awesome sculpt and the idea of uh because she was so much larger um i think the the standard studio paint job has a wearing uh, like a uniform shirt, like fatigues. Uh, but I decided to do her in a, um, a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> nice. So she's wearing this, uh, the lovely um, uh, kind of purplish magenta shirt with uh, frangipanis and hibiscus on it. Brilliant. So uh, yeah, that was great. O only, again, only made possible because of the size of the shirt. Yeah, I um I've been working on my GI Joe project, and um one of the characters I painted recently was Chuckles, and he always wears a Hawaiian shirt. And was looking at it, going, once I painted his shirt blue, I went, yeah, I don't think I'm courageous enough to actually paint the, the flowers on this. I might just super highlight the shirt and call it like a rolled up work shirt. Um, but yeah, right. It's um I'm I need to stretch myself and paint some camouflage and some Hawaiian shirts. Clearly. Yeah, definitely. If you um, if you head head to our playlist and uh, run back through just before we did the the episode before we did the aliens minis, mm -hmm. the uh, Firefly minis, the minis from the Firefly game nice. uh, from Night, and uh, I painted up Wash. Mm -hmm. so, of course, he had to be wearing a um, Hawaiian shirt. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I think Chuckles and Wash's because I know Wash wears several Hawaiian shirts, um, but I think there's one in particular that is like the same shirt. So. Might have to check that out. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. 
Right on, man. Well, Dave, uh, I think our time is sadly up, my good man, but it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, anything that you, I know we've been talking a lot about things that you're looking forward to or things that you've been enjoying. Um, any final thoughts about um, gaming industry or anything else going into uh, 2022? Or are you uh, are you happy with what you've said already? Uh, I, think, um, I think the only thing I'd say continue to say is that um there are still a lot of um small businesses uh, a ton of small businesses still are still alive in the uh the wargaming industry and uh it'd be great to see people continue to support them um particularly if they're playing games like uh silver bayonet or mm-hmm. uh, sargrave sargrave's a great one for for picking up sort of odds and ends from different companies mm-hmm. so if people can continue to support their uh their small uh, the small businesses, that would be great. Uh, and make sure you cut them some slack on shipping times because mm-hmm. individual, like shipping, shipping individual uh, packets around the world is a little bit, uh, definitely a little bit tough at the moment. It is. Uh, but uh, yeah, and just, just stay positive. Have it. Um, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> Breathe the wrong way. Um, uh in out that's that's the way to do it yeah exactly uh, <laughs> sideways is not the way uh but uh yeah to um i was gonna say yeah uh pick out some things that you're you're keen to do uh build your plans uh understand that those plans might change in 2022 we don't mm-hmm. know where things where things are going um that's true. but one year we'll, we'll have a certainty back and um if you're all prepped for it you can uh, jump straight in that's right. Now, one of the things, just to jump on something you said, uh, I've been trying to support the local, my local game store now that things have opened back up. I've been going into Mind Games in Melbourne and supporting them throughout um, now that we're back. But I've also really gone out of my way when buying uh, both terrain um, because I've been looking for Battlefield in a box, uh, even though they're from our neighbors in New Zealand, um, international shipping times and even just uh, certainty because for some reason some countries aren't shipping to Australia at the moment because of the Australian post. Anyway, um, I've been looking at a lot of small Australian distributors and game stores that have their own little web pages um, that have been able to get different products from different companies locally. And so I'm able to buy locally, even though I'm buying the products that I would normally get overseas and the prices are almost, you know, they're they're very similar. And so yeah. it, it enables me to both support my local and get the models from the companies that I need to finish the products, or so the projects that I have to match, or um, the terrain pieces that I need to finish the tables that I need. So just something to keep in mind, guys. If you're bummed out about international shipping or international shipping times, um, both the money and the time aspect of it, it can often be worth it to do a little bit of research and dig around because I've been buying from shops literally from around Australia and it has saved me countless dollars in shipping and hours, or sorry, hours, days, weeks of um, showing up time because shipping from the US to Australia is unbelievable at the moment. It can yeah. take, God, up to three months. Was I got a pack of awesome cobra frogmen from footsore miniatures north 
North America, and they gave me the shipping notification. They did everything right. And then between U.S. shipping and Australia shipping, <laughs> it disappeared for a while and then reappeared. Uh, and again, of course, Footsore uh, Foot put the models in the mail within like 18 hours of my buying them. It wasn't them. It was just the shipping of the nature of things. But it's one yeah. of those things that um, if I can find something locally, it saves me that headache. Uh, and then, you know, again, supporting local businesses. So anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, that, that, oh, sorry, regardless of you are in the world, wherever you're listening to this, support your local business. Amen to that. Well, Dave, thank you again. As always, it is a pleasure to hear your voice. Uh, guys, I do have to apologize. Dave and I have been trying desperately to get rid of the strange Skype noises that have been happening today. And um, we did, did a lot of trial and error and we got it. Pretty good, but there is still a bit of noise happening. I am sorry about that. It is not common that we have that on this show. But sometimes, you know, the Internet is what the Internet is, and we can only do what we can. And though I'll try and edit most of it out in post, I know I won't get it all. So thank you for putting up with the Skype quality on this call. And Dave, again, man, thank you for coming on and making the time. I know it's been the crazy season for you with holidays and travel and everything else. But, brother, it is amazing to hear your voice. Thank you for making the time. Oh, it's definitely, you know, I always love chatting with you, man. It's all good. Right back at you, man. One of these days, I'm going to have to be in the same city as you, and we might even be able to sink a cold beverage and maybe even play a game. That would be awesome. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've had a lot of people messaging the page recently, and I mean, I mean a lot, saying that how much you've appreciated the bolt action content, the feedback from the Falschmager in bolt action, and the Romanians in bolt action episodes have been unbelievable. Uh, I know the format of those shows is very much what we used to do on the Ghost Army podcast. I'm hearing you, ladies and gentlemen. We will do more. In 2022, we will be doing plenty of more episodes like that. I've also had a lot of episodes saying, why are you only doing bolt action at the moment? Can you please do something else? Um, this is one of those episodes where we're talking about things that aren't necessarily bolt action. I know we did cover that, but we will be doing other games as well. Um, look for a nice mix going forward in 2022. And thank you to everyone who's reached out recently to say, um, you know, happy holidays. And a lot of you understand that you know, teaching in the COVID era is a lot of work and um, particularly it being the end of the school year for me just recently, things got a little crazy. I thankfully pre-recorded a lot of the episodes uh, before putting them out. I haven't actually recorded an episode of Cast Ice in three weeks. It's kind of weird to be recording again. And all the stuff you've been listening to was require uh, recorded prior to that. The Warlord Games podcast will be back. I, I do promise that, although in the insanity of end of years and everything else, things did get pushed a little bit, um, although I am hopefully recording that in the week to come, plus other great cast dice content. So please, if you have uh, feedback for the show, please go to our Facebook page. That's Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. If you uh, message the page, you're guaranteed a response by me. Hi, my name is Brad. Um, just remember, it might take a few hours because I might be sleeping, depending on where you are in the world. But ladies and gentlemen, I think that takes us back to what our old buddy Casey always says, which is, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night.